Oh, we could do a 20th Century Fox introduction. <laughs> I like getting trademark trouble. Maybe that. Do, 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 do. Whatever the music is for 20th Century. Now they're not 20th Century anymore. 20th Century Ocelot. Go ahead Number and hit 20. it to me. Hey. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Hilliard Beacon Audio Companion. I am one of your hosts, Jordan Smith, and I'm joined today, as usual, by my good friend Tim Hoffman. Hi, it's Tim. And Kevin Corvo. Good afternoon. Hey, this is number 20. We've hit number 20. Yep. Thank you, sir. Fully uh, a third of the way into our yearly cycle, which we uh, started not on a year anniversary of any meaningful distinction, so uh, that will come later. We'll, we'll worry about marking that anniversary at another time, gentlemen. Yes. But we did start this endeavor in a year, though. It's getting close. It was a year. It's actually getting close. It's been a year. Uh, as we're traveling through summer months... And heading into uh, an exciting time, we're still on recess, or what is it, summer uh, Summer break. Summer break here in Hilliard, and we've got both uh, city government and uh, schools still out, but we're freight training towards that fall season, and uh, things will be getting back in line uh, sooner rather than later. The board had a special election, a special meeting, though. Yeah, there have been some things where they call the people together uh, for needed uh, actions that can't be delayed. Uh, I, I'm not sure what that one was particularly. Kevin, you know? It, it was a uh, on the 16th they had an executive session to discuss pers- personnel decisions, spaghetti. personnel hiring and considerations. Gotcha. So Might be it, some it contract was, issues that are time it was, sensitive. It was an executive session so... Um, we don't know. But they did, they did have a session. City Council though has been on uh, recess um, for the past four weeks now though. Yeah. They come back soon. It's getting down to it, getting down to it. And we'll be right there uh, to rejoin them when they do return. Um, We'll talk a little bit about uh, some things up front, though, before we get deep into our story for this week, which is Kevin's uh, first of many to come election preview articles, uh, doing some candidate uh, review for you folks out there. And then we'll uh, go on to move into a reaction, I think, uh, to a video that's been put out by some city council people that has generated about 7,500 views as of three days ago. It's about a five-minute video. And it's kind of, uh, I guess the only way I can describe it is it's a teaser video for their election campaign. (laughs) Uh, but we'll react to that in a few minutes. First, I wanted to talk about a national case that might have local implications uh, for us. And as a bit of a follow-up on a story we filed a few months ago about uh, the city's decision to participate with Flock Security Cameras. Uh, that's a company, Flock Security, mm-hmm. and they provide a camera network that's license plate readers. Um Kevin, if you don't mind, let's talk a little bit about that technology. Like the license plate reader itself is a system that basically can capture every single license plate that moves past that camera point, uh, and it can be reviewed and correlated via search function on the back end. People have access to this in in city and municipal uh, law enforcement. That's right. They can then review those... Uh, pings, those mm-hmm. registries of license plate 
hits mm-hmm. for and analyze them for travel patterns. They can monitor how people move throughout the day or throughout the city's physical environment. They can use them to establish all sorts of things in the pursuit of prosecution of crimes, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but recently, there has been a growing uh, outcry about the misuse and abuse of similar camera systems. And I bring this up because a couple of the city council uh, carrier in particular suggested that the city should want to go to facial recognition sooner rather than later. Seemed very excited to get there. Uh, But I would like to... And that was during the discussion uh, in session about the flock cameras. Right. The the flock cameras... Go on. I was going to say, he asked them... Uh, when do we get facial? He's, and the company representative was like, this is not that. We do not do that with these camera systems. Right. This is not what they're for. Uh, but Les pressed it and did say, well, we want to go there, and I think we should want to go there. I, I, Tim disagrees. <laughs> I, I do as well, and my disagreement is based largely on, uh, I think, the things Tim's is. But I'm going to cite this article, which was published... Uh, 7th August uh, Innocent pregnant woman jailed amid faulty facial recognition trend This was published on Ars Technica But it follows up mostly on New York Times uh, reporting Regarding uh, Detroit arrest of 32-year-old Portia Woodruff For robbery and carjacking She was 8 months pregnant She was detained for 11 hours Questioned, had her phone seized for evidence Before being released Uh, The mistake seems particularly notable because the surveillance footage used to falsely identify Woodruff did not show a pregnant woman, and Woodruff was eight months uh, very visibly pregnant at the time of her arrest. The incident began with an automated facial recognition search by Detroit Police Department. Uh, Man reported the crime. Police used a private company called DataWorks Plus to run surveillance video footage against a database of criminal mugshots. Woodruff's 2015 mugshot from a previous completely unrelated arrest was identified as a match. After that, the victim then wrongly confirmed her identification from a photo six-pack lineup leading to her arrest. Woodruff was charged in court with robbery, carjacking, before being released on a $100,000 personal bond, and less than a month later, the charges against her were dismissed by the Wayne County prosecutor as, on further review... Uh, they found they did not have a case against her in any way. Took a month. Yeah, Woodruff has filed a lawsuit for wrongful arrest against the city of Detroit, and the police chief has stated that the allegations are concerning and that the matter is being taken seriously. Sixth reported case where an individual was falsely accused as a result of facial recognition technology used by police, and the third to take place in Detroit. All six individuals falsely accused have been black. The department runs an average of 125 facial recognition searches per year, almost exclusively on black men, according to data reviewed by the Times. And we just kind of go on to discuss in the story about the reliability of facial recognition, the false nature of relying on that technology when still so much of it is uh, determinative of someone's guilt or innocence based on a a false profile, essentially, generated by someone's mere presence in a database uh, than someone's mere bare physical resemblance to maybe a poor data source, bad footage, good footage, 
footage from a different angle, footage with bad lighting. Uh, or, or a criminal who looks like you. Yes, those people <laughs> exist. I've, 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 yeah, yeah. Everybody's got their twin, right? Yeah. Uh, just hope yours doesn't live a life of crime uh, in a major city that's decided to use facial recognition cameras. I'm relatively <laughs> certain I am the evil twin. <laughs> Where are your scars? Right side or left side? Uh, but overall, I understand. And this was my this was in my original. Uh, reticence and hesitance to embrace this kind of technology is that police love it because it allows them to be extremely effective in the prosecution of a certain type of crime fighting. A type of crime fighting that can coordinate movement, that can figure things out, that can pin uh, the blame on somebody with the aid of this kind of surveillance technology. But that's sometimes just ticketing. That's sometimes just serving warrants. That's sometimes just all these things that's not necessarily interceding in meaningful ways in the type of violent crime that people are crying out about and that people are claiming is the issue for all this increased police funding, police presence, police security cameras, surveillance, right? Uh, So one story will be told by the statistics that come from the deployment of these security cameras Uh, Another story may come from the establishment of a commission to review how this data is used, how people tend to uh, query this security footage, because that's another thing. There's no prohibition against using this to query any license plate, to query any person's information or movement. There is a log created of that query, but there's no prohibition against the police to do that. So what I think is the second step that the council didn't take necessarily was to establish a permanent review of the use of this technology and a a manner, a manner, a way of making that review public in a recurring way so people can feel its use, can feel its deployment. I think that's the next step in whether or not this stuff is reasonable or merely uh, another contract that the city's taken on and, and is deploying. Because I, I think right now it's unreasonable and the, the oversight's not there, the review's not there, and the potential for slippage has been demonstrated in every aspect. Yes. I think, Tim, what are some of the examples? I mean, you played in a band for years called The Secret Sounds of the NSA. Yes, we continue to produce new material. Yes. So you you are familiar with elements of the surveillance state. What are your primary concerns about local surveillance? You're a business owner. You have your own security cameras internally. What's that dynamic for you between rights of a property owner or rights of citizens to feel like their, their police enforcement has the tools to provide a safe life for them in their lived environment, like where do you think that line is? What do you what do you see the push pull? Well, there's a uh, to me there's a bright line between surveillance cameras that are erected by a property or business owner in on their property or in their place of business. Um, typically, they will advertise, you know, just like I have a sticker in the window of the studio. This space is under surveillance. Hmm. I have closed circuit cameras running at all times in here. Uh, it's come in handy here and there, but it's my space. 
or it was when I put the cameras up. Uh, it's up to me. Uh, out in public, it's completely different. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because the populace of any place going about their daily business should not be subject to surveillance that they haven't explicitly opted in for for whatever reason. It is... I think that is a... I think that is a definite... um, Let me put it this way. There should be an ongoing conversation about whether or not that is a civil rights abuse. Well, you can even draw... Regardless of what it's used for. You can draw connections to quartering troops. I mean, you're, you're, you're putting the state on your shoulder when yeah. you have this, this level of public surveillance, is what you're describing. I am minding my own business, mm. doing whatever I need to do in town. Mind your own business, which does not include tracking me, doing, you know, going and buying lettuce... Mm. Okay, and going down and getting a soda pop at the speedway. Mind your own business. They're they're building a case against you based on your movements throughout the city. They're it's maddening to think that that it could happen. Right. It's not that they're building a case right now, but they're putting all the pieces in place. So when it uh, when they decide they want to, they've got all the pieces. They just put it together. Sure. And I don't trust them. Yeah, I mean. There's a lot of, as I just read, there's a lot of evidence that these cameras don't work particularly well on black people, black Americans. And there's a sense that that's perfectly acceptable to a certain segment of our population. And I think that, in and of itself, is enough reason to pull down a major objection to their use in that way. That's Again, that's not how they're being used in Hilliard now. They're being used as plate readers. Right. But similarly... This city has a commuter workforce uh, of over 10,000 people. Right. The majority of this city residents leave the city every day to do their jobs. Yeah. And then they come back in every day from their jobs. Just think about the amount of traffic data that generates. Think about the amount of flow of information that generates. That's crazy. And Say, for example, a police officer queries that data engine to determine when their wife or husband is leaving town. But I don't think that's a reason that they'll ever get the information from Flock. They do have to show what they're asking that information for. They do Flock. have to show that, that's, what they're asking that information that's for. That's my understanding. <laughs> they're not they have to, they and have they're to demonstrate. Not, and they're not supposed to lie about it either. Well, okay. Well, and but, I'm suggesting here that there are, there are municipalities where there is no prohibition against their querying of the engine. There's logging of it, right? They log how the that could vary used. from city to city, I suppose, too. Right. But and I've written about flock cameras in Worthington and in Hilliard, right? And and the, there's a record of who's asking for the query, right? Uh, and there's multiple entities that can ask for these queries, right? But they have to demonstrate why they're asking for that. Now, flock has this information. I. Um, that's my understanding. How they maintain it, how they keep it. Well, when you say I don't know. they but have the, to, but the agency asks, they have to show why they're asking for this to, to to get information on what license plate was 
monitored, seen, or recorded at, right. at a given location. Right. And that needs to be that we have a that need should be that we have a credible report of a crime that was occurred in this area. What what vehicles came and went from this area? Right. Right after a robbery. Descriptions of. That's where the crime element comes in. Hot notifications, as they say. And it's also used for missing children, for missing adults, uh, for for uh, people. The silver, the silver exactly. Yeah, silver alerts. Uh, Seniors who have uh, who have keys keys a car and and drive away, and and their presence, their location isn't known, but they know what car they're in. Uh, It can be used for that. Yeah. Um, So there's controls on how it's used and they're only used for the license plate of the vehicle as we mentioned there's no facial recognition involved in that it's just a record of what vehicle was where and what vehicle left and entered the city and and that's shared among law enforcement agencies sometimes as cars sometimes go from city to the next city to 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 uh, commit crimes um typically thefts sometimes uh they'll go from one city to the next interconnected Mm -hmm. network of stuff Mm -hmm. can provide more information absolutely i I'm not against that. What I want more than anything is I want a regularly reported full understanding of, okay, what are they querying this engine for? Well, here's this civilian review of all these search queries and all their justifications for these search queries. And I'd be interested to see the specificity of those. I'd be interested to see, like, what the what the close rate is on that, the open-endedness of that kind of, oh, we looked at this person for three months, it, whatever came of that, whatever came of you looking at this person for three months. Mm. I mean, it might be part of an ongoing investigation. There might be, you might be fulfilling another municipality's request for information, you know, corrob- you know corroborating plate reads or whatever. I don't know. But until we know more, we don't know enough. Got to have systems in place to make sure. Mm-hmm. You do. Got to check the merit badges. You do. Got to have accountability. You do. So I think that it is not outside the box to ask for that, especially no. from a developing administration who's trying to grow their credibility in mm-hmm. light of other things that have diminished their credibility uh, as far as professionalism, oversight, understanding of systems and integrity. Like, okay, open it up. Show us what you got. Be transparent as possible so that we can build trust in a system. Or we can decide it's not for us. Hmm. I think that's my only insight into that. But seeing that woman, eight months pregnant, get arrested and thrown in a jail cell for a day, that was wrong. Long day. That was wrong. And we don't want wrong things like that to happen in our city. We don't want sure. wrong things like that to cost our city millions of dollars when uh, somebody's overzealous pursuit of a traffic offense turns into a lawsuit hmm. because they were illegally identified by a system we poorly understood. That's my concern. Uh, yeah, my concern is our sort of basic privacy expectations. It's nobody's business if my car travels down Davidson Road at a given time. It's nobody's business. That's true. As long as you're abiding the laws. There's as long as you're abiding the laws. But I, their, their ability... And I, am, but, but and I am, and until I am not, that data should not exist. 
that is my stance, and I so understand there will there will be criticisms the, of it. The license plate the license plate readers are meant to record license plates coming and going in high volume traffic areas of the city. Mm-hmm. There's eleven of them, and they are in the strategic locations. Mm-hmm. So if there's a robbery committed at the Sheets and they get on Cemetery Road and shoot down 270 South, they're going to ask and receive which vehicles at 2.43 p.m. left Cemetery Road and got on 270 South. I hear that a million percent. That is a diamond of a case. And if there's a vehicle that (laughs) looks a little like yours, Mm -hmm. you're going to be on that target list. Sure. And okay. Okay. that's, That's the point of the license plate readers. Sure. The, the now, point of that, the license plate reader is not to... Uh, again... Now, who is driving the car? That's what the investigation would figure out. It might not be the owner of the car, and, and they'll have to sort that out. Yeah, that's a um, whole other can of worms. Fa- right. Facial recognition is yet another step toward that, which, which Jordan outlined. I think license plate readers should be, in my opinion, there should be a mistake about the license plate and the vehicle. And the, and, and the vehicle. It, it's a make, model, license plate number. There should, there should not be many mistakes made in that. You go to facial recognition, and that's more subjective, I think, sure, in who you're far, trying to identify. Right, that's far harder. And there should be more in safeguards in place for that um, or how that information is shared. My concern, um, Kevin, is that we're looking at examples of uh, it's boiling the frog. It's a, a little it's, bit. It's creeping uh, surveillance. It's a creeping, encroaching surveillance state. I don't want it. Well, and if and and if some criminals or crimes happen, sure. that's okay. Okay, I understand because there, there are some people who the, the, there are some people who are willing. In my opinion, there are some people who are willing to trade too many civil liberties and their personal rights. For a promise that probably can't be fulfilled, that nothing bad will happen. Right. If I let you see into every bedroom window and every camera and whatever else, promise me there'll be no criminal can ever do anything bad because we've got a police state or we've got, or we've got cameras everywhere. Some people might like that or allow or, or wouldn't be bothered by that if it meant that they don't ever have any crime. Yeah, I'm afraid there are a lot of those, and um, uh, you won't eliminate crime, but you will eliminate. The kinds of I don't think we'll ever you... eliminate crime. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you won't. So license plate readers, I'm okay with those how they're set up, and to some extent, you have to have faith in your community, in your department. And uh, I mean, some so, some some departments have some some cities and agencies probably haven't demonstrated as well as others. Don't work as well as others. Earn the public faith. Well, I mean, there um, are consent. Sure. There are consent degrees for. For that, where you have to have federal oversight of your policies and procedures uh-huh. because you've proven that you violated civil rights uh-huh. like systematically over the course of your practice of your uh, municipal authority. I, I think everything's open in Hilliard. I think they're transparent. Uh, all the agencies. Yeah, and, I, I'm and not worried specifically about a police department here. What I'm suggesting is this, right? So, as you say. Uh, they use a combination of all this software to log every license plate that passes by the camera. They can then use that software to compare each plate with a hot list, as you suggest mm-hmm. in those crisis situations where they say, oh, there's been an armed robbery, someone's been shot, we need to identify this person, they're <laughs> fleeing the scene, 
right? Like I said, mm-hmm. a diamond of a case that proves the efficacy of a system like this. But similarly, in the past, police have used license plate readers to target and surveil locations where people have a constitutional right to assemble, mm-hmm. for political rallies, for mosques, right. for other religious assemblies, or on the right-hand side of things where they're engaging in uh, permitted legal activities like going to gun shows. Like, police have used in the past these license plate readers to identify every single car going in and out of a political rally, a mosque, or a gun show. So the idea that they're being deployed in that way... It's a horrendous abuse. And building data sets in that way, it's creating the choice in a certain percentage of the population of... Yes, I'm willing to concede these things. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not willing to concede these things. But I gotta say, at the diminished rate of our participation in our democracy, we have to raise people's awareness of these systems okay. because of their potential for misuse. Okay. It is an abuse, Tim. To do that would be an abuse. You, any piece of technology, most pieces of technology that get created for a common good or for a good cause can be misused for a bad cause. And I guess that's just, is there a way to avoid that? So the point, the point is, as these new technologies become adopted without the consent of the people, they change, they change society. They do. So then th- even though I might not choose to adopt a certain technology I don't get to opt out of the effects that that piece of no. technology has on society at large once it's been invented I don't know if you can stop it at, at, at all at any point are you suggesting that the community vote on whether or not a city or community should employ license plate readers I think uh, I would not be opposed to that kind of a kind of a thing however at the same time, I understand that that would probably have a lot of support. And I don't feel like it's okay for my fellow townsfolk to vote to surveil me. That's a, that is a, a place where it's like... Well, sure. Should should they're, we're they're all being li- surveilled? We're Everybody, all being surveilled. So how? But they're voting other people's rights away, rights that they apparently don't value. Yeah, and a privacy then, right to not be surveilled. Well, right, and then you get down to where just where I am, which <clears throat> is just trying to negotiate a review of the information so that there can be further evaluation. Right. I mean, Tim's standing on the principle. I of think not that, wanting- that exists with the license plate readers. Can you get that info right now? Can you get that info from Flock Security right now for a place where they're already established? I don't know. I don't know Flock's policy to. to I I don't think you could find out all the information that Flock has stored. No. Right. Now, if you were to ask their city government if they knew how many times that system had been queried in the last month, two months, three months. And if that had led to any successful prosecutions, what do you think their answer would be? I think you can find that out. I have never seen those stories. Not about our local uh, our local municipalities. I have not seen the success rates of flock cameras. I've seen 
we solve crimes with oh, them. Oh, the success rate? Yeah. I, I, I don't know about, about that. But how, but how many queries have been made? Yeah, I want to know. I got to know. At the very minute. something that could be like, found out. I'm meeting him less than halfway on his stance. I'm open to people feeling like I'm willing to trade a certain element of my privacy for security because people already make that choice for property they own mm-hmm. uh, and they surveil themselves and their location and all that type of thing. So I understand there's like a sliding scale of people's comfortability mm. with this stuff. What I want to see is I want to see a robust volunteering of this information so people, as they're saying yes to it, actually see what it looks like as opposed to hearing about the one time it was used to find a wandering senior citizen or stop a, a armed felon fleeing a murder scene. Because I'm sure those exist. They have to. Because like you said, you'll never stop people from committing real dangerous, violent crime. Or you'll never stop having a need to try to help people who need help, like senior citizens that get lost. Uh, but I think what I need to have in order to continue evaluating that, uh, the rightness of that, is what's this look like in everyday harvesting practice? What's this look like in everyday querying? What's this look like in success rates, in types of crime uh, prosecuted, in deployment, all that stuff? And we don't have any of that yet. We just know that those cameras get put up and the police can use them and they say they're a great tool. And you say we can find that information. I'd be interested to know it. I'd be interested if anybody's ready to volunteer it or present a report on it or uh, have recurring meetings about it. And if those meetings are going to be recurring, what they're going to take place in, what environment they're going to take place in, who's going to be there to hear it, which members of our civilian government are going to be there to hear it and evaluate it. So... That's where I am. I feel I'm in the middle on this one where I'm willing to accept that people are going to make choices democratically that I don't agree with uh, and may not even represent the majority, but that's how the vote came out. So people got voted into office. They have decision-making authority. They chose to have these cameras. I'm offering the sense of pushback, and I want to know more about Mm. the decision you've made for me in your democratic capacity. I want to know if... NSA and FBI have access to those files. I want to know if Palantir offers Flock a a bag of money if they get every single entry in their database. And Palantir... Tell Tell me they're not. Tell me they're not. I'm sitting here and I will go ha, ha, ha when we find out. Yes, the NSA has every single bit of information that Flock has logged. Yes, the FBI has every single piece of information that Flock has logged. And Palantir has a long history of abuse. You know they're going to buy all that information. You know they're going to buy it. They've they've got documented abuse of that because people use that in CIA offices. We know they they always love to look into people's private lives. I do not. Who has access? Who has access is logged and spelled out. I don't. I don't know which all agencies there are. And they will certainly tell us the truth about it too. Well, well, at some point you have to accept what's on the page. Yeah, you but have, you, you have you to have see to, if what's on the page makes sense. Is that's all how I'm I suggesting. see. Yeah, you, I have to have, and I do have faith that that's not being misused here. Yeah. 
that technology exists certainly could be misused it, it can be said we don't, this information is only accessible for these purposes the, the robbery on cemetery road and off 270 if a if somebody in law enforcement anybody in law enforcement chooses they'll lose their job they could be it, it's illegal but they, they that information is still there for them to access and, 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 and they could do it and, and they could do it for reasons that aren't appropriate but i just have to have faith it doesn't happen. It's good that you're not as cynical as I am. <laughs> they do say they have limits on the amount of time you can retain certain files and things like that. I just, I need to see it playing out. I need to see it in practice. And I, I would like to see that in a, a more tightly monitored and, and tightly monitored going forward. But let's talk a little bit about, uh, as that's obviously maybe an election issue that people want to bring forward, let's talk about these elections coming up. We're kind of in that final pause break before the insane fall season. Kevin, you shift into high gear. Uh, October baseball also means October election season. What do you got for us? It does. There are uh, local elections for Hillary City Council, Hillary Board of Education, and Norwich Township trustees. And uh, there'll be new members um, on the school board and city, or I'm sorry, there'll be new members on Norwich Township trustees um, and city council. So I guarantee um, there because of the trustees, someone passed. Correct. Uh, Tim Roberts uh, Tim just a few days ago uh, told me that uh, he is not—he's on the ballot, but he says he's going to withdraw. So he is uh, not going to go through and seek the election. Uh, perhaps he'll share more about that um, later when I talk with him. But he did withdraw from the election. So Rick Tidd will be a trustee next year. Okay. That creates an uncontested election um, for that seat. Uh, Tim Roberts has served since 2012. So he's had four terms on. Uh, three terms on. Three terms on. Okay. Um, 2012 to 16, 16 to 20, 20 to 23. Uh, so he will he will step off. And, and Rick Tidd will be elected um, trustee, uncontested. Uh, in the other election, um, the seated trustee, Jerry O'Shaughnessy, uh, was appointed to that seat last year. Uh, he was appointed uh, on the death of Larry Ehrman. Right. Uh, he was appointed. So that seat would not normally be up, but there's a special election for it because he was appointed in the first half of that four-year term. So that creates a special election. So you've got two trustees up instead of one. Right, but the um, seats are essentially treated as separate. they are separate seats. Okay, so you you have uh, Les Carrier and Greg Young are uh, against each other for that seat. So that's an open seat. So you're going to have two new trustees on on board next year. Uh, Chuck Buck is midterm, so he'll stay put, and he'll have two new members joining him. Which and then the will, which person elected Rick. in this special will revert to having to be re-elected at the two-year interval, so it goes back on the regular calendar? Correct. Okay. Whoever's elected between Les Carrier and Greg Young will stand election in 2025. Okay. So they're essentially just fulfilling the second half. Correct. They're, they're filling the second half of Larry Ehrman's term. You mentioned to me that you got a little bit of insight that Greg Young is not going to have any kind of public any kind of public interaction? Oh, no, not at all. He'll have public interaction. A debate, uh, specifically. 
Greg needs to answer that. Okay. But, 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 uh, he's looking to run a campaign that he's got a lot of control over. He's, he's he, looking to run a camp, a positive campaign, of why he's, he's, why he's running for reelection. Um, and, uh, and I'll have a story forthcoming. Um, I haven't written it yet. Um, uh, and, and he's retired from the Norwich Township Fire Department. Um, and, uh, he only indicated that, you know, he, he wants to run a positive campaign and on and, and stand over the, the re, on, on his uh, reasons issue and yeah. issues for, for for running for. Um, we could use a lot more of that. For, like uh, honestly, for a trustee, positive, like a positive construction of what you want to do in office, mm-hmm. not just how you are reacting to things that are happening, mm-hmm. but especially on a reelect, I think the ability to stand on your goals and mm-hmm. whatever your platform. Uh, is and say this is what I've done in my previous term this is what I want to accomplish in my forthcoming term should you elect me I think that's a great case Uh, I wish more people would make it unfortunately it involves a lot on standing on what actually happens Mm. and best laid plans of mice men and local Mm. elected officials sometimes go awry and Mm. sometimes go just how they want but uh, the fiscal officer um, is also elected in Norwich Township, and Omar Tarazi is stepping away from city council to seek that election. Now, he was he term limited, or he just no, did not want to run for I, city council? I have not council? talked. I need to talk more with, uh, with Omar Tarazi about that. But, no, he chose to move from his council seat to seek the election in Norwich Township. Okay. Um, that seat is open uh, because Paul Lambert is not seeking re-election, uh, or he's not seeking election. Uh, Paul Lambert was appointed to that position. Uh, he was appointed when Jamie Miles uh, uh, resigned. Okay. Uh, so uh, he uh, he was appointed to that election and opted not to um, seek election to it. So that opens up that seat. Uh, Omar is running against... Um, uh, someone named James Thomas Friel, and I do not know. I've not done my research to find out who that is. Mm. But uh, James Thomas Friel and Omar Tarazi are seeking election. So it's possible that Omar Tarazi and Les Carrier, who view things similarly on city council, uh, could both be on the township, Norwich Township. Uh, yeah, simultaneously. Now, now be Norwich Township. One is fiscal officer and one is a trustee. Yeah. So that, Migrating that, to that is government. that is a bit interesting that that two people would shift uh, th- uh, in tandem uh, to council members uh, from uh, from the uh, city council to Norwich Township. Well, and especially given the particulars of having to run in a special election and then having to run again in two years, uh, that does to me though point to. Somebody like Les, who basically is always campaigning anyway. Um, on the city council side, that was determined in the spring. Uh, you've got six in the primary. Uh, Greg St. Clair withdrew from the primary uh, in February or March. Um, when was the primary? Primary was in March, I think. But there's six people uh, running for three seats, three, three Republicans, three Democrats, so that's simply the top three vote getters uh, out of the field of six um, uh, win the election. Uh, Greg Betts and Emily Cole um, are the Democrat challengers. Cynthia Vermillion is seeking re-election to keep her seat as Democrat. Uh, Republicans, uh, Mike Carney and J.T. Esseldyke are the challengers. Uh, Pete Marsh is the incumbent Republican seeking to keep his seat. 
since Omar did not file, you're going to have one new member on city council, um, at least. Hmm. So, well, there will be change, uh, and we discussed before we went on about the strategy of having a full house, essentially a full house contested election. So mm-hmm. there are three. In Hilliard, we still have partisan local elections. Three Democrats and three Republicans guarantee that they're, quote-unquote, fully contested Mm -hmm. for all three uh, potential seats. So uh, that's where we are for that. How about school board? Uh, School board, four people are running for two seats. Uh, Nadia Long and Brian Perry are the incumbents. uh, Running for re-election. Running for re-election. And Kelly Arnold and Kate LeMaster also filed. So four people for two seats. so it's matched up to straight off. Uh, I expected a larger field. I'm a, little, I'm a little surprised there aren't more people running, um, given some of the discussion and somewhat disagreement on any number of things. In well, this, there's been uh, a long-standing, uh, I don't know what you would um, want to call it, maybe an insurgency element mm-hmm. in the Hilliard City School Board. Mm-hmm. It mirrors a lot of the things that go on in national politics, largely around the same. Uh, issue set. I think it's mostly puff and fluff and not meaningful, but uh, there have been wins and losses in that. They have had uh, people get elected to school board, and I think uh, there will be more in the future because that is a tendency that's represented in this populace. So uh, if they contest for seats, there's a potential that they could get them. And the same goes for all these other folks, too. I mean, their web pages say what they're looking to do, and we'll see how they do them as mm-hmm. as they're uh, proven in office mm-hmm. and proven in the election cycle. So, Kate Lemaster is a Davidson graduate um, whose parents and grandparents graduated from the school district. Um, she shares on her uh, website. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly Arnold, uh, so far as I know, is still a member of the Far Area West Area Planning Commission. Um, I've talked to her a few times in my reporting career. The Far, the Far West Area Commission is an advisory committee to Columbus for whatever is being proposed to be built out west, on, uh, on the west side of the school district. Yeah, They did a lot of work to get that commission designation, mm-hmm. and it's kind of their view, their role to work with entities like Morpsey mm-hmm. and other mm-hmm. um, neighboring municipalities to try to develop a coherent development strategy and to make sure people are represented in that process. Uh, Yeah, very cool. Thank you, Kevin. We're going to get that uh, weekly article up tonight, I believe, so that'll be a bit of an election preview, and then there will be more of that coverage to come. As you've come to know and expect from us, we don't stop after one piece. We tend to pursue uh, all these narratives and uh, we continue to pursue them, as evidenced by our uh, flock security camera discussion earlier. Um, do you guys want to pause for a minute? We'll watch this uh, Omar video, we'll react to that, and then we'll call it a day. Here we go. Back to it. Back to it. We've reviewed the video. The link will be in uh, the associated article with this podcast. And uh, we urge you all to go watch it. Does the usual... Uh, opening kickoff to election campaign video season meet with everyone's local election campaign video approval (laughs) (laughs) it certainly was a video certainly one of those Mm -hmm. 
Uh, it, for me, made use of the two things, which is time compression and we are the only ones, right? Okay. Uh, the video is five minutes. It opens, essentially, with the dramatic score, the strings that lets you know this is very serious. It says then uh, that this is the map. This is the future for Hilliard. And you notice this map of Hilliard has all these multicolored sections. And then they immediately go into what's going in these multicolored sections without delay, instantly, instantaneously. Hilliard is going to change overnight based on these color-coded areas. I'll remind everyone that we've had a previous 10-year plan uh, that a lot of these folks were on council for, and a lot of them would call developments like Landmark Lofts and uh, the New Aquatic Center and all these things that are major developments that changed the face of Hilliard, that changed the uh, sleepy little suburb of Hilliard, they would call them major successes. Bo Jackson Sports Complex, all these, I mean, right out in the middle of a field, it's a huge bubble, oh my God, it completely changed the landscape. <laughs> well, listen... All these guys are doing in this campaign video is saying, we are the ones, in this case it's Omar and Les Carrier, who are running for township offices this year. They're forecasting that the way business is getting done in Hilliard City now is different, strange and scary, and that you need to uh, join them, elect them, to make sure it doesn't happen like that. Now, it's not going to happen like that. Because uh, of exactly the thing I just said, there has been a previous 10-year plan. I would suggest that the color coding in that previous 10-year plan was very similar to the color coding in this 10-year plan. Uh, maybe there are different specific designs on size of building or four stories or five stories or who to partner with for this project or that project, but that's all purely speculative. That all depends on larger factors beyond local control. What a community comprehensive plan is designed to do is say, given the conditions that we have, given the potential scenarios that exist where developers are coming anyway and they have their own plans anyway, given the opportunity, this is the direction we are going to try to steer development in. Does that mean the whole side of Cemetery Road is going to be developed in a one-year span? No. Does that mean any of this is going to happen in 10 years at all. No. There are no guarantees of anything. What I think is happening here is they're trying to create a construction that's a compelling argument to elect them. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't make the demand in this video principally because they don't want it to look like that. <laughs> they want it to look like it's a critical community concern that we come together on their stated meeting date at their stated meeting time, at a major development that completely changed the face of Old Hilliard <laughs> uh, that was created by the LLC that's nested within the center of our city government at the behest of many of these council members, um, at a location uh, that will no doubt be uh, central to any development that happens in Hilliard going forward. So this is their opening campaign pitch. You guys, how do you feel about Hilliard now? Kevin, you've lived here largely your whole life. Mm -hmm. You've seen all the changes. I've been here for almost 20 years. I've seen a lot of the changes, the more recent ones specifically. Uh, but starting where you were, 
if you had been given a 50-year plan for this city, would you have envisioned the city that sprawls out before us today? I can't say I would have envisioned that, no. But, but I'm, I'm pleased that it's come to pass. I think the city's been reasonably developed, and, and, and I like what we have here in this community. Yeah. I think um, it's... The situation that I see here is local politicians trying to stand astride development and say, I am the person that can fix this. Through these situations and systems that I've devised, I can create an environment that preserves exactly what I want and excludes what I don't. And what I'm here to suggest, and we've had Paul in here over the course of our interviews, we've had Roger, you've had decades of experience in these communities and these surrounding communities, and what I have to say over and over again is that it doesn't matter what you want. There are forces and (laughs) structures and superseding authorities to everything that you can construct on the local playing field that will dominate your available options, whether it's water taps or uh, expedited annexation version number two, uh, there are always superseding authorities. What you have to do is you have to plan the best outcomes that you can Mm -hmm. given your resources for the people that live in your community. To say there's a different path is fine. To say see this different path, also fine. I think to uh, suggest that a major course correction like that is in order is also fine. I just question whether or not it comes from a place of uh, I have a legitimate disagreement with the conclusions of this community plan that have come about through all this harvesting of input of other local electeds, of other regional professionals that know how this development tends to happen of development professionals that actually build this stuff and make it safe for us to live in and all this other stuff they seem to be saying no to everyone and saying if you don't like it come to us but in saying no to everyone that's developed the thing they're saying no to everyone that's developed the thing right I think the fundamental weakness is not enough people were involved in developing the thing. But that's always been my complaint about it. Sure. Uh, it needs to have more open democratic participation. It needs to have recurring uh, environment where people can come together and debate these issues and mm-hmm. kind of feel out over time what they want to have grow in their specific mm-hmm. ward area of the city or whatever. But until that time, this is what we have. This is what's been developed with the best inputs we could bring together. Hmm. For these two electeds to say we have a different path in mind, that's fine. But that's what it is in my mind. That's all it is. That's what I hope the video does is gets more people in the community involved in deciding what they want to see, what they don't want to see, what the best path forward is. Yeah. These are The video is it could be this, it could be that. that that's all it is, what it might be. I hope it brings people out to have further discussion on that because that's one thing I can speak from my experience is I've been to city council meetings uh, in Hilliard and other cities, and oftentimes 
first of all, someone buys land, and that's something else we've talked about here at this table is, oh, some LLC bought 30 acres at whatever location. It's not even known yet what's going to happen there, but right. somebody bought the land for some purpose. 146 acres yeah. is the most recent one. That's not nothing there. Right. But it and goes to planning. Be, it goes to planning. They I'm might sorry. be buying just a hold. Yeah. And sell it. Holdings are real. Uh, yeah. Sell it to a developer later um, for more, you know. It goes to planning and zoning. It, it has discussion there. It, 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 it goes to city council eventually. I've gone to meetings where planning and zoning already decided something. And then it goes to city council for their final approval. And then people come to city council. Wait a second. What's going on? What's happening? What, what is this? Because they get a letter in the mail. You mm-hmm. know that this this is a rezoning that's going to be built. People don't get involved sometimes right away. You know, I've I've gone to meetings where well, I didn't know this was happening, and I've had somebody point. Well, he wrote about it five months ago. Right. You know they didn't know it happened. Right. So I hope it gets people involved um, and and and, dis- and 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 discuss more. Yeah. Because I, I do think too often it it is. Uh, and they might do a wonderful job, but it is typically elected officials, uh, appointed officials, regulatory commissions that, that are making these decisions that do change yeah. the landscape. And uh, not often enough, I don't think, citizens take the time and the effort to ha- make their voice heard about what they want or don't want. Yeah. And it sometimes can make a difference. Sure. I think uh, as a conversation starter, I think that's a valuable Video. Oh, it's kicking it off for sure. For sure, I, it's. And I've spent a lot of time reading that community plan, mm. and one of the things it really <coughs> impresses on me, especially with one of their big ideas of moving to infill development rather mm. than continuing to sprawl, is that by its very nature, an infill development has neighbors. That's you yeah and so you know at the end when uh les says don't you're gonna be surprised when the bulldozer shows up yeah uh, that's real yes that's very real and and people are gonna be upset and it's very important for people to familiarize themselves with the plan and to familiarize themselves with the kinds of developments that are being pitched for the infill that's around uh people's neighborhoods places of work Places where they go, parks, all that. I mean, again, I you know, as a conversation starter, I think that's an important video for people to watch. But I think it's more important for them to actually go and read through that plan themselves, understand where that video might have been a little bit uh, over the top. Sure, a little hand wringing, a little bit dramatic for effect. Of course, there you didn't see it. If we're not. A video podcast, but seeing the crane graphic with the massive, uh, rapid growth of everything. I, you look at, say, 33 Riverside Drive on the other side of the bridge, mm-hmm. all along, that's all retirement living now. That's all massive, yeah. massive retirement living. Mm-hmm. But it's up on a hilltop. It's off of a road. It's, you know, just a little bit massed. These are very uh, bold changes to roads and in thoroughfares that people know as their whole lives they look kind of like this right but again whether or not any of that actually comes to pass who can say who can say so it's important to pay attention because it's been done poorly elsewhere if you go and drive through grandview right now it sucks yeah you don't like that section the way that they built 
up those huge uh, apartment buildings on those narrow little roads, it's so, it's, and I lived in Grandview when that process started, and it completely changed, and there Where are parts this? of, this is on like King Avenue and uh, 5th, uh, at, between like Kenny. Okay, some of that's Columbus, isn't it? Well, well that's all Columbus down it, there. It, okay. Maybe it's all Columbus, but it's the Grandview area. And it's, uh, you know, used to be low-lying buildings offset from the road. Mm-hmm. Now they're tall buildings mm-hmm. right up against the road, and it sucks. It does feel a little claustrophobic it's right bad. down in there by that underpass with the train trellis. Mm-hmm. I once watched a garbage truck get the top taken off of the uh-huh. middle of the night when I was driving, delivering donuts around the city. I think just to finish up, for my perspective on it again, is... We've all said around the table in slightly different formats that we hope this gets people to engage. Like, I don't agree with the style or the presentation or the fear-mongering in a sense of how they're presenting this inexorable, inevitable change in our community. I think there's going to be more people that are going to look for places to live Hmm. in here. And uh, the idea that my house in Beacon is almost $300,000 is... I don't know what to think about that right now. <laughs> right. I've got I've got all sorts of thoughts, right? But what I think <clears throat> I've always argued for and I've wished would happen is that instead of having a small commission develop this stuff and having a small study group develop this stuff with experts and then having a small room of people decide on this stuff, you need to open up this element of our democracy, whether it's budgeting, whether it's planning, whether it's development, You need to have all people represented in recurring ward meetings so that people can be more regularly engaged, so people stop coming to the final city council meeting and crying their eyes out about a park that they've loved their whole lives that's being bulldozed for something. They need to engage earlier. And the city's job, in my estimation, is to provide those avenues for that engagement beyond one-time elections or beyond two minutes in front of dismissive city council people or receptive city council people. We need ongoing <laughs> engagement to build citizen power instead of being led around by the nose. Right. We need our government to get out in front of those issues and be engaged with the people who live here and understand the way people feel about well, a system for those people to tell them directly yeah. and create a direct report as opposed to well. saying I understand what people feel I know what people want Join us. No, no, no. Right. Right. No. We'll join you in supporting <laughs> the kind of things you have, through this ongoing process, deemed materially important. Sure. So, yeah, that's what I hope will eventually come out of this, and that's not in any 10-year plan, but I'm not going to stop fighting for it. And I hope you <laughs> folks out there don't quit fighting for better representation every day for yourselves. We've gone on quite a bit. I'm going to get us out of here right now and say uh, look for an article in the immediate future or immediate past depending on which order they get published in and you can count on us to keep providing you more and more local content local interest and local information so that you out there can have a better understanding of the world you live in locally until next time i'm jordan smith this has been the hilliard beacon audio companion see you next time